Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast. We're so excited to have Ellie Benilla with us today. He's the National Millennial Director for National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. He's also the English pastor at Abundant Life Church of God in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, he, he's the husband to Alexis and now the father of Nova Lee and uh, also a Lee University alum. And so, man, we are really excited to have you on the show. And uh, your name is just kind of blowing up right now. So we just had to, hey, we got to get him on the show, man. He's, he's, like literally, he's Rob, up. I can't tell you. Like as soon as we booked him, six people said, "Do you know Ellie Bonilla?" And I was like, "No, but I will soon." So <laughs> but, your name is making the circles with people here on campus and and around the world. Really, yeah. people we talk to. So yeah. uh, you could say we're fired up. Maybe we are fired up. I think so. It's anyway, man. Hey, welcome to the show, bro. How you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me on. It's a privilege to be on y'all's podcast. This is awesome. You have a great setup there, by the way. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's uh, it's credit to the uh, production team here, Jeff Salyer and his team, and what they do here at Lee. So uh, shout out to them as well, because they've done a great job for us. So uh, Ellie, man, tell me about this role that you have, because it's such a unique title uh, in terms of a, a job description, the National Millennial Director. What's that all about, man? Um, so yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, and just to kind of give a background of the NHCOC and um, the branch that I I run, it's under um, the I, I guess the leadership of Samuel Rodriguez, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, and uh, and basically our our goal is to kind of unite two different streams: the vertical stream of Billy Graham and the horizontal stream of Martin Luther King Jr., uh, where we believe that the next movement in this nation needs to be the marrying of the two, where there's a, a push on evangelism uh, in all the, the places uh, of influence in the United States, but also uh, how are we doing that practically, relationally, across the board. And so I lead the millennial branch of that. And uh, it's fairly new. It's very grassroots. Um, kind of the way that uh, I'm going about it is uh, smaller regional gatherings, just meeting with people, bringing uh, influencers together in different regions. So we're going to do our Texas regional gathering in September. And, and, and yeah, I was uh, invited on by Reverend Sam Rodriguez and, uh, and it's been an interesting ride. There's, there's not many parameters. It's kind of just like, however you can do it, do it. And so I've just been calling friends, friends have been calling friends and, uh, and that's how we've started organically. And so, uh, yeah, we're trying to lead this next generation into the future and, and I've been tasked to do so. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's that's really cool. So as a millennial director, then obviously you're kind of leading your peers, right? So uh, how has that been for you, sort of reaching out to the same people, same age, and uh, really connecting with them? What's it like to lead your peers? Um, I, I've noticed that uh, you cannot lead without relationship, especially peer-to-peer. And so right. most of the influence that uh, I have is not necessarily um, up-down influence. It's lateral influence. It's influence that I have relationally. So it's not that I come with my title necessarily and say, hey, you know, this is who I represent. This is how many churches we represent, you know, kind of power moves. It's more of uh, friendships. I start with uh, the base of friendships and kind of allow it to to grow from there because it is finicky, especially if you try to come authoritative. Right. With your, it's like, hey, man, who are you? Like, I know 
you know, it's kind of like, I know who Sam Rodriguez is and I've heard of him, but who are you? Uh, and so that's kind of, uh, yeah, it, it's relational, definitely. Very cool. It's, it's kind of unique because you are a millennial um, to be in this role. Have Just in general, are you finding it that that millennials are getting involved quicker into leadership or is this still something we're dragging behind in the church in? Yeah, definitely, especially my role and my title, because the Millennial Network, technically, it's I'm networking millennial pastors. And so I, I, I'm in kind of this broad range from um, associate executive campus and lead pastors that are in the millennial demographic between the ages of about 24 to uh, later years like 38, uh, even into 40. And what we're finding out is that it is a small demographic. It's a small pool. Uh, and, and I'm talking more, obviously, from the Hispanic angle mm. uh, in the United States where there is not a big pool. And so even uh, Reverend Sam told me, uh, he's like, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm tasking you with this. This is going to be a tough task because there's not much known. And uh, and I'm my assumption and actually, you know, just jumping into this is because there's not many there. There's not much transitioning happening. And so when I try to tap and say, do you have an associate pastor that's within this age range? It's like, maybe I can find you one, not in my city, but I got a city near us that, you know, it's a lot of stretching and pulling to be like, I might know a guy yeah. instead of oh, right away. I have five off the top of my head. Uh, it's pretty rare. So so speaking from maybe just the, the Hispanic area, but maybe you can speak more broadly. Is it that millennials aren't following the calling or are they just not getting plugged into leadership? Um, I, I think that it is, it, it's a little bit of both. I don't think that you could just say um, that it's one or the other. Um, I know that there is a large pool that are, are willing, but there's not the space for them to operate. And so that's a big thing. And especially uh, when, when you talk about and, and not just denominations, but I think church structures uh, worldwide, and we're finding out even through uh, Empower 21, that was one of the discussions that we have is uh, how the next generation is stepping into leadership and just the lack of space that there is uh, by far and large. I mean, there's certain situations where they can step in, but mo more often than not, there's not that space. And so I would say the, the dominant uh, is that there isn't that space to um be empowered and empowered in a way where they get the opportunity to be led and have an opportunity to mess up in that empowerment mm -hmm. uh because there's also that crushing of pressure and so uh it, it perhaps it's the fathering angle where uh they're being they're being led as sons and daughters and uh and we're we're missing a lot of that and so not just the space but uh they're not following the calling because they're not being fathered or parented into it you know with the parameters and kind of the safety nets uh of a of a true relationship with somebody that's over them so so i believe it's a little bit of both. That's, that's really good yeah i think i think it seems to be more of a systemic problem even across cultures um i mean perhaps you're seeing it more clearly in 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 your culture you know the hispanic culture where you're primarily focused but i think i think even just uh, in the church in general, we've kind of lost that that modeling, fathering, shepherding, raising up sons and daughters kind of mentality uh, to lead well and to and to lead currently, right? So, so in your in your mind and your idea, then, what are some very practical things that 
you're doing or other people are doing, maybe to help to start changing that tide, to start changing that conversation? Yeah, um, so uh, I kind of broke it down into just uh, three, and obviously these, uh, you could probably make more from these, but uh, the three things that I think are necessary in order for um, the next generation to, to kind of step in um, is uh, three words, space, uh, voice, and, and power. Mm. And those are the three things that I've, um, uh, and, I, and I didn't make them up myself. I, I, I kind of actually got them. Uh, I was a part of an initiative uh, called the DeVos Urban Initiative. And um, uh, within that, they, they kind of broke that down for how are we creating space for the youth in our church and the young people in our church. But I feel like that's the same way for the next generation to step into leadership is uh, just a space um, for them to occupy, to be invited, a seat at the table, uh, if you will, but not stopping there, giving them a voice to kind of uh, discuss point of view, perspective, and, and and to kind of give input and insight. And then lastly, um, uh, to empower them, to give them the power to to help, you know, because we believe that there's a lot of talent, potential, yeah. leadership already within this generation to not just speak on certain topics, but uh, to move uh to move obstacles out of the way for the generations that have come before and the generations to come. And so I believe that all three of those work in tandem. And I think my father and, and Reverend Sam have, have done a good job in terms of allowing me to have that, that space to operate, the space to mess up, uh, and then the power to do so. So he's not breathing down my neck saying, you know, uh, are you doing these gatherings this way? Or have you talked to this person? He's kind of saying, hey, here are your parameters. Um, I believe in you and and go for it. And then the same thing with the pastor here. He gives me the parameters for our services. But then he says, hey, you have the freedom to kind of do evaluations on your own. And if this is working for the English better than it's working for the Spanish, then you know, full steam ahead in the English. And so I kind of have those three at my disposal now, but I know that could help uh, our generation right now. That's, I mean, listen, I think space is a critical component of that. And, and I think it's important. What's interesting about the culture we sit in, Ellie, is that it feels like, and I use the word feel kind of as a broad term, but uh, anybody with enough voice or clout can have voice, especially on social media. Right. And I know you're a proponent of social media. How does the social media impact and having voice there maybe translate over to having voice outside of that setting? As we would say yeah. in real life. Yeah. yeah. It, and it, we are living, uh, and I heard a coin, we're living in the, uh, the greatest communication shift in the last 500 years. Wow. It just, it, it, it's changed so widely. And, um, and to give you kind of a little perspective looking into kind of what what is possible now when you look at whenever martin luther did his reformation the 99 thesis on the door uh that was on top of the uh, initiation of the printing press right and solution of that type of form of communication which was unprecedented at the time and the power was in in the print and so you had uh catholicism really kind of holding on to to that and Martin Luther comes up and uh, he's able to, instead of taking all of this time, he can print these little pamphlets and he's handing out these pamphlets and they're, they're printing them out and he was a master communicator through that medium. And so now we're seeing another almost reformation 
per se in the Christian church where, uh, like you said, you, you could have influence and clout by the amount of followers you have. And automatically, uh, if there's not space being created for you, you create your own space. Right. And so, you know, I, I believe what we're talking about is not necessarily the next generation rising up as a revolution and saying, well, if there's not space, we're going to do our own thing. But if there's not a transition, if there's not space being created, there are already the tools that we have to our disposal to create our own space. And so you're seeing that um, as well. And so you're seeing little bits of reformations happening around because there's not the traditional space is not being created for them to enter into. And so now you have social media and a good friend of mine, I'm sure you know him, Noah Heron. He's he's out here 20 plus thousand uh, followers and he's able to engage at a high level and I have several friends that are, are kind of in that upper echelon of, of social media outlet um, where they can just you know uh, really influence uh, at a high capacity everywhere all over the world worldwide instantaneously and so uh, yeah that big shift is is definitely something to keep your eye on if the space is not being created here uh, space will be created somewhere else, whether that's by the person or by someone else. But I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the church is that I think God created it to be revolutionary, not to be religion. Right. right. So so we get trapped in our own traditions. We get trapped in our own institutionalization. Right. And then out of necessity, it's like the spirit of God just refuses to be contained. And so the church is kind of reimagined, reborn. Uh, reformed right the reformation i love that analogy that you use like like a digital reformation and that's something that jeff and i've talked about quite a bit we've talked a lot about digital discipleship we've talked a lot about uh you know digital church and what that means for the for this coming era we don't have all the answers but but we're having the conversation so i think it's really cool that you would point that out um and so you know that's part of the reason why we're doing this podcast is because we want to tap into that with dudes like you and, and uh, get the voice out there. So um, I love what you're saying about social media and I love how you're kind of using that as a medium to actually uh, impact people's lives. And so I, I guess my next question would be then, uh, what kind of tension are you really facing when it comes to sort of evolving with your voice and with your culture? Um, what kind of pushback are you getting from this stuff? Are you talking in terms of uh, just uh, just in general? Yeah, I mean, just just in general. general. Yeah, I mean, um, tradition and religion is such a heavy thing. And, um, you know, it it is what was tradition for um, Well, what was brand new and revolutionary for one generation becomes tradition and religion for another. And so um i think the the release of those things it's it's really really hard and so whenever you try to propose online church and titles like online pastors you know like my my wife she she sits kind of in in a position where she operates in in that type of way like an online pastor where um you know and and don't don't mind me just kind of going in because like you said uh i think many of us have this kind of figured out uh, in terms of virtual church, but where where we're even discussing like, hey, we have the most engagement online. Our, our biggest congregation is online right now. Like we're reaching um, almost 20,000 people online every wow. six days. 
with our church. And so uh, that's way more than what we're getting in, in the right. doors. We're having discussions on like, what are we doing to engage virtually so that we can become a bridge from the virtual to to the real world? You know, what are we doing online that is bridging people to ask questions or even to get to a point where I'm enjoying this so much, I, I need to get myself through the door of the thing I'm enjoying here online. And so kind of the the pushback is where is the line on how much you're, you're willing to go um, online and, and, and spend there? Are we willing to spend money online? Yeah. Are we willing to promote posts? You know, is that a good use of the church budget? Right. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily what we're, we're what we're fighting about in the office. That's definitely a discussion. But um, there is pushback that's like, no, we're not going to use that. Right. <laughs> we're not going to, you know, the funds of the church to to promote an Instagram post. Uh, and yet we don't have young people showing up because we're not where the young people are. Right. And fortunately uh, for us, it it's not going to go back to what it was. It's going right. to continue to us. I don't believe that even Instagram is uh, the final form of the social media revolution. No, this is another stepping stone to something even more for if we're not willing to engage with it. So the pushback is is change. I think that that's the pushback for every generation is what's new and upcoming and uh, the fear of what change brings and the fear of what, uh, you know, what. Uh, not knowing it and my generation knowing technology more, but not as much as Z. Right. Uh, and then the and boomers kind of like, ah, do we want to mess with that? That's something we're not comfortable with or, you know, who are we, who are we reaching out? And so I think that the pushback is, is the change and the unfamiliarity, not necessarily that it's evil. I think that people just broad stroke it with, oh, it's, it's no good. It's just because a lack of understanding. And so that's yeah. the most yeah. we're getting. So, so Ellie, in those conversations, whether they be in your office or just other people in general, how are you clearly communicating, especially in the in the social virtual platform, that there's value in this, that it's important, it's as important as the conversations in the 90s as the carpet color was, or maybe more so, you know? Um, how are you clearly communicating that to people like Rob and I who are Xers or the boomers that you're working with? Mm -hmm. We, uh, we definitely come with numbers that yeah. it's, uh, it's not theory. You know what I mean? Like, I think that uh, we could get caught up in the theory, like, well, everyone, because I think my, my heart is just wanting to explode with like, well, you know, cause that's just the thing to do, but that's not, uh, that's not how you speak in terms of, of the language of the boomer and even the Xer. Uh, it's, it's analytics, it's numbers, it's, um, you know, well, who are we reaching? And thank God for Facebook. They give you the built-in analytics. You have that also at, on business accounts on Instagram and with the new creator accounts coming out for Instagram, you could even dive deeper into those analytics. So uh, you're able to buy the numbers. Who's tuning in? How many men? How many women? What countries are they from? What languages do they speak? Uh, and we've already had um, tangible testimonies of people that found us online hmm. and they'll come through the doors and they'll be in our connect room and we'll be talking with them. How did you find out? Well, this post was shared and I saw it and I heard the message. Uh, and so these testimonies are starting to come out. And so uh, the first one is numbers. And then uh, the second, and I, I think they're in tandem. I don't think that it's one bigger than the other is the stories of the testimonies of people getting uh, plugged in 
uh, through online. Man, there's so many uh, young adults that are coming to our church because of that, that someone shared a clip. We're trying to make them in bite-sized 60 second clips and, and putting them out there and it just resonates. And they're like, man, where was this? And they're like, oh, this is my church. What, that's that's a church? Yeah, you should come check it out. And automatically uh, you see that what you're sowing in on the internet is you're being reaped in person with actual people and numbers. And so, uh, yeah, numbers and then the testimonies. Amen. I think, Rob, you and I grew up in a church time when we'd have testimony time. Did you, did you have that growing up? Well, I didn't go to church growing up. So. Oh, well, when you guys got older, we had testimony time, right? And so the pastor would say, does anybody got a testimony? And like, sure enough, like like somebody's grandma would get up oh, and testify yeah. about her knee feeling better or whatever. And I think, Ellie, what you're saying, and, and we can agree on this, is, is social media is becoming that space for testimonies now, where we would have it in the Sunday service, now it seems like that's happening online, and rather than just testifying to the saints, they're, they're sort of reaching everybody. Um, right. and, and that's the impact you're, you seem to be sharing through the stories, is what we call testimony time, is really just a shared post at this point. Yeah. And it seems to be making a bigger impact than just grandma's healed knee. Um, so that's, that's incredible. What do you see going forward, Ellie, with, with social media or online church? How are you guys thinking ahead of the curve? Oh man, that's a loaded question. I guess you can get, get a thousand answers from that question. Um, you know what? Uh, honestly, we we see church, virtual church not as a solution for uh, the physical church, like or a replacement. Uh, better said uh, that it, it doesn't replace it, but it is uh, a first. It could be a first step for somebody, for a lot of people. Uh, that we we want them to have an opportunity to step into um, the four the 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 four walls of the church and, and to be connected with an a- actual congregation and relationship, and so I see that persisting. But honestly, I also see that if uh, if we're not careful and we kind of put all our eggs in the basket of social media and virtual world that that um, once the new thing comes out or, you know, you know, kind of moving on with that, if, if there's not a, a groundedness, if there's, if we're not, um, if we're not being strategic with bridging virtual to reality, then we run the risk of putting our eggs in a basket that's just going to change next year. Right. And so what we look into is, okay, we're using these as tools. This is not, we could call it virtual church, but we know it's not a church. You know, we'll use it for the language, for the sake of the language. Like, hey, if you're traveling, you can log into your virtual church, but it is not a replacement for church. So the way we're looking in the future is that whatever uh, tools are given to us in the future, whatever that is, if that is eventually VR and we're just jumping in, people are putting on headsets, whatever, you know, to, to do discipleship. I don't know. Like, who knows? The sky's the limit on what technology can be. Uh, but what we're looking at is, this will never replace the church. It'll just become tools for people to walk into the four walls of a church and to experience Jesus in community. And that that's the end goal. So no matter how uh, fancy it gets or what names it has, that that's the way that we're looking into the future for it, making it tools. So as, uh, as you guys are bridging sort of this virtual versus real sort of conversation, I mean, and, and it's a real conversation, um, I mean, I dream of the day where I can see a holographic preacher on stage and, yeah. you know, or something like that. I don't know. Maybe we can 
bring back a retro Billy Graham or something in holographic form. That, I think it would be legit. Anyway, I digress. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so as you guys are kind of building these bridges, certainly in our culture, I mean, it's estimated that about 35 to 38 percent of incoming freshmen have some kind of diagnosable mental illness. And so some of the negative effects that we're seeing with social media are the isolation and the loneliness, the comparison factor, uh, FOMO, you know, all of those kinds of things, right, that, that come with sort of uh, with any really revolutionary tool. There, there are side effects, right? So um, as, as your generation, millennials and Gen Zs especially, as we kind of start really seeing Gen Zs enter the college realm, uh, we're dealing with a lot of loneliness. We're dealing with a lot of hurt. And so I totally agree social media as, a, as an on-ramp, you know, kind of that language to, to a real relationship in church. Um, so how are you guys beginning to untangle some of those deep-seated sort of loneliness issues, mental health issues that come with sort of this, this paradigm of, of reaching out? Yeah, we um, we're definitely a church of um, of small groups. We're very intentional because uh, we're a larger church, and um, we we definitely want to be uh, a church that is intentional about that one-on-one -on -one conversations, and then also uh, creating uh, spaces for the kids to become friends with one another mm -hmm. here at church. And so, the one thing that we've implemented are connect nights where they're not spiritual. We just go out and we bowl together. We go to a trampoline park together. We go to the park together, because um, uh, that's something that we we also notice is that uh, it, it's even different than when I was uh, when I was in high school and and I was only in high school um, about ten years ago. It just these social dynamics are completely different. It right. is actually shocking to me. It's foreign to me how all of these kids can be in one room and be to themselves. Man, I remember, you know, it was just a battle for attention. If you got a bunch of teenagers in a room, it's that the alpha dogs would get up and battle for the attention of the room. And now there's not even a fight for the attention of the room. It's just like everyone's siloed off with, and maybe the, the interactions will be leaning over. Like, have you seen this video? Right. And uh, we try to uh, create spaces for them uh, to go out, to be active with one another and to develop those friendships. And that's kind of how we're we're battling it practically. Uh, and we're seeing great relationships form and the deeper the relationships, the less likely than they're jumping on their on their phones, like the more that they're they're, they're in community with one another. And so uh, that's a little bit of what we're doing to battle that. And, and we're seeing that uh, little by little, like we have not solved that. Um, like yeah. we haven't seen, like, oh, 90% of our kids are not, you know, falling to the statistics. But what we are seeing is as we've started these um, events or these gatherings, uh, we've saw we've seen a little bit more. Hey, they're talking more. They're they're interacting more. They're becoming more relational and and even more so with our leaders uh, when they go and they have fun with the kids. And so that we're ba battling the isolation factor and the more people that you have kind of in your inner circle of community, uh, the more less likely you can isolate yourself or fall into a place by yourself. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think that's going to be the challenge. You know, we've, we've sort of talked today about the rise and change of social media. And we we talked now about the downside of that. Um, and just really briefly, you mentioned some some social media sort of influencers. How, how does 
someone who's creating space on social media have a big platform sort of fight the danger of making it about them oh man um i i feel that it's, it's understanding what social media is for mm. you know I, and i think that uh what i what i don't want to do is is say that i use my my personal account uh for uh just reaching out you know what i mean like i love posting about my daughter my wife if you get on my post it's not just me preaching uh, like at people it's it's a lot of you know what we're doing i'm not pretending that everything is is okay i think that it's just us uh, being able to define social media better uh, that will help people's anxiety continually telling people hey um of course i'm, I'm not gonna post like having a bad day because that's just not you know that's not what social media is for and so uh the understanding that like hey if i'm on i'm seeing the best of everybody and understanding that that's fine like i want to be able to like you said uh if we turn it into a it, for example if we turn it into a platform of testimonies then we run another risk that yeah. God is, oh, God's not doing miracles for me because I'm seeing mm. the highlight of everybody's miracles and testimonies. You get what I'm saying? Like, if yeah. we, but if we find like, this is a place where we, we testify that God is good, then I'm more inspired instead of comparing myself to, oh man, I wish it, it's more inspiration than comparison at that point. Mm. And so uh, I, I think that vanity obviously it can lean to vanity quickly. Um, but then I also believe that there are people that, Hey, it's my Instagram page and you're going to see me a lot. And you're going to see my daughter yeah. a lot and you're going to see my ministry a lot. Um, and if you press the follow button, you will continue to see, uh, those things. And, and, and so I, I really do believe it's continuing to continuing to define social media for a generation, uh, getting that across because at the end of the day, I don't even think that we, um, can dictate how people will perceive us, even if we have the purest of intentions when we mm. post. Yeah. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that we um, are fighting a, a new demon per no. se. Right. I mean, this is, this goes back a ways people edifying themselves, right. And building themselves up or whatever. Pretty sure that's in the Bible somewhere. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so there's not necessarily a new uh, demon that we're fighting. I think it's just the magnitude it's the scale right. in which it actually infiltrates people's homes and people's lives. It's the consumption. It's the, it's the amount. It's the weightiness. And I think that's probably what has some people um, either skittish about social media and the power that it could be and the, and the reality that there is actually some very damaging things that exist on social media, right? So... So it's not new. I think it's just the size and the breadth and the accessibility and the consumption of social media that is really, really challenging for maybe some older folks like Jeff and I who are stuck in the 80s, right? So uh, we 80s had, are making a comeback. Let's 80s, be honest about 80s that. Are, bro, we passed the 80s comeback. We're into the 90s comeback, oh, okay. man. I'm yeah. seeing tight roll jeans and stuff like that. I did that in the 90s, dude. I mean, whatever. Okay, so... So these, uh, these are not new challenges, but at the same time, I think if we kind of go back to maybe an earlier conversation, the social media platforms that, that you and others and uh, that we have, 
I mean, this genuinely could be, and I love this idea that you're throwing out there, this digital reformation, sort of this new reformation of the church, this powerful force that can be used to actually change the world for Christ through a digital platform. Um, and I, I love that idea. So that being said, uh, how can we actually begin to take these tools and use them in a setting that is beneficial and safe, maybe even at the local church context, where a lot of pastors or pastoral leaders or churches just are not comfortable yet. How can we introduce them to a good side of social media? Yeah, I believe that it's the, um, it's the concept of a sowing seed everywhere. You know, uh, you don't want to uh, misuse your seed. And I think that uh, God has entrusted us with, um, you know, social media for this generation and all of us that are, you know, are living right now during this era. And so uh, I, I would always I would always bring it back to uh, to biblical principles. And I think the principle of sowing is so important, especially when we talk about social media. It's uh, what are we sowing uh, into where the people are? You know, and so uh, that that would be the beginning of the on ramps, and and it would be very simple. I don't think that people need to automatically like if you if your church does not have the capability to be Facebook Live during services, or you just don't have what you believe is um, you know the equipment. Uh, the truth is like you can give encouragement wherever you go. You can testify yeah. Jesus everywhere you go and whatever you post. And so, uh, man, so many tools like it, you could just, for example, just using the U version app. Right. With you version app, you have the capability of doing anything on social media with the word of God and planning the word of God. And if you want to do a daily scripture and you want to you want to post it, they make the graphics there for you. And if you're you're not OK with like, well, I don't want to put my face or I don't want to promote any anything the church is doing. Hey, you can promote the word of God to promote the Bible. Simple little things like that. If we're if we're we don't want to jump into the celebrity Christianity and like, oh, well, I don't want it to seem vain. OK, well, then let's keep it simple. We'll start with the word. I can post the word and it'll show up on someone's feed on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, that uh, those little seeds that that we're sowing uh, and perhaps just starting there and, and just allowing those seeds uh, to increase as the Lord wills it and and perhaps God then proving that the seed is still good mm. and that the people's hearts are still good, whether virtually or in person, that you can still impact people's lives that way. I think, I think Ellie brought something up earlier that would tie back to this is that that idea of space. Um, Rob, you and I are Xers. We are not social media experts. We're semi-savvy, we may say. But, but I think that's a great space for millennials and Gen Zs maybe to step into with an extra boomer pastor or a millennial pastor who doesn't understand it to link arms in that. Because I think what we see, listen, my kids, they know it better than anybody. Like they, they can snap, gram, whatever. They don't Facebook. That's for right. grandma. Yeah, that's, but, yeah. But, but I think, especially in that, in the terms of space and leadership in the church, it's a great space for younger leaders to step into and go, hey, let me coach you. We had somebody on the show earlier talk about reverse mentoring, Ellie. Yeah. What's something that, that millennials and Zs, how could they reverse mentor us maybe in some of that social media language? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, 
sometimes it's just as good as as sitting down and showing you your phone <laughs> and <laughs> the potential of your phone you know uh yeah it i i would say that uh even z is better than millennials uh uh, I heard uh, a man by the name of uh, Jason Dorsey. He talks about uh, Z and millennials in the workspace all the time. And millennials were actually more um, uh, technological uh, dependent than we are uh, savvy. Z is more savvy than mm. even us. I have younger cousins that they they show me things on my iPhone that I'm like, oh, man. They're like, why are you doing it the long way? Here's the short part. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I, I Like, I thought I knew my phone. And you know, as simple as the capabilities and, and truthfully, the way that we do it uh, here at our church is, um, you know, once again, the space that uh, pastor just allows me to sit down with him and show him Facebook and what it can do. That's and cool. Show YouTube and what it can do. And um, and it's just it, and honestly, it's just the willing to have a, a willingness to have a conversation on both sides where um where the older generation is just willing to learn something that they're not as familiar with. And then the younger generation willing to teach. And so it's almost pulling from, uh, like you said, it's reverse mentoring. You're pulling uh, mentorship from the younger and then um, uh, teaching old dogs new tricks. And so it's just counter uh, what we've developed as we're, we will always be the teachers to the younger. But like you say, man, it's unprecedented what we're going through right now, where a 10 year old will know what to do with your phone better than you could ever. Right. And yeah. so uh, uh, being willing to see that and, and having going back to the conversation point, uh, sitting down and having conversations about the tools that are in our hands, because regardless, we all have the same tool, whether or not we're able to use it at its highest capability, I think it's dependent on what we know about it. And Z has the upper hand and perhaps Xers, boomers, and even millennials can even learn from this younger generation. That's good. Yeah. So, uh, I, Rob, I don't know, like, it's interesting, and, and Ellie, maybe you've already put this together, but there's a couple things you're saying and that we're engaging in conversation, and it, it always seemed like knowledge used to go one way, like you talked mm. about fathering, and, and so I've had mentors in my life who were pouring into me, but it seems like we're in a time and space where, where knowledge goes both ways. That, that fathers need to pour into spiritual sons and daughters and, and spiritual mothers into sons and daughters. But those sons and daughters are pouring back into us in ways that is helping the whole body grow. For both sides are willing to learn and grow. I feel like we're in this great space or great time space where, where the body can benefit from those around us. It's not just a one-way conversation about mentoring or, or discipleship anymore. Right. Um, and so it's, that's great. And listen, we would love to have your 10 year old cousins on and teach us how to get around our iPhones better. I mean, that's how I feel about it. So you're yeah, a Lee yeah. grad. So let's yeah. talk Lee for a minute. We're on the campus of the university. Yeah. We love it here. Um, what benefit did your, your Christian college experience have in setting you up for where you are now? Oh man. Um, I, I think that it is the, the community of Lee truthfully, um, that really molded uh, and shaped me. And, and like you said, it's the experience of people, person to person experiences, uh, people from all types of background. It's not, I mean, I, I'm fourth generation church of God. So I, you know, I have that, that background, but you get to Lee and you have people from all sorts of uh, different Christian backgrounds uh, and even some that non-Christian backgrounds right. now uh, that, that are on campus that 
uh, you would assume you're like, oh, no, you know, all of us know, not all of us are, are, are from a Christian context and um, didn't grow up in church. And so uh, living with different types of people and, and these uh, different experiences definitely have widened my perspective. And uh, it's just a, honestly just an amazing community that Lee is and everyone kind of has uh, has their their groups that they can go and invest in and and grow with and so um yeah definitely i think it's the relational aspect of lead cool i'm going to put you on the spot i'm going to ask you an off script question we got we got a few minutes left here so uh you you brought up sort of this this aspect of non-christians now coming to a christian campus which is awesome in my opinion and i think a lot of it has to do not only with the quality of the education you can get at Lee, but a lot of the Christian universities in the country, there's still a very high level of academic sort of um, quality there, right? So, so there's that piece. But um, I've been here a year. I came from California, Huntington Beach area. I've been here a year. And this year at our administrator's retreat, um, I was asked uh, by Dr. Khan to, to give sort of a, a speech on what I see some of the greatest needs of Lee University are. And in my short time here, one of the things that I immediately noticed was a high need. The biggest need we have is an evangelism strategy. Mm. And what I mean by that is we have genuine non-believers who know nothing about Christianity coming on campus. That's one aspect. But we also have another aspect of a ton of students who are coming here with some kind of Christian background who genuinely don't have a Christian faith. They don't have a personal relationship with Christ. And so uh, off the cuff, as the campus pastor of Lee University, if you were in my shoes, what would be your approach to an evangelism strategy for this campus? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, what I, I've noticed in terms of uh, my three years there, uh, we we definitely saw the greatest impact come from peer-to-peer uh, -peer evangelism and, and discipleship. That, that is by far, by far that, that will, uh, in terms of the marking moments uh, on our campus and um, of movements of the past. And uh, obviously Pastor Jimmy was there when I was there. Right. Uh, he was there and I'm not sure if, he lets you know kind of like the different ebbs and flows of movements, of student movements, organic student movements, where uh, a student would just rise up and, 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 and feel kind of the pulse of the campus and uh, lead into a, a, something that was things that were not really over, uh, had the umbrella of the university on it, but were blessed by the university to go forward. Mm -hmm. and I believe that. Uh, yeah. It, it, the, the evangelism strategy has to go through a peer-to-peer. -peer. Um, uh, well, I, a majority of it. I would say a majority because I believe that there's still things that you can do in chapel. Sure. Uh, that, that, that could help that. But um, definitely uh, empowering the peers, like, like we have the floor leaders um, and, and the way that they share. Uh, and, and then let them take responsibility of that. And, um, you know, I... I Whenever, whenever a student, right, like, for example, can I use myself as an example? Of course, Absolutely. yeah. Uh, I was there for, for my last year. We did this event called One Body. And uh, it was just birthed out of what we felt as students needed to happen, just a campus-wide prayer 
that we come together, every single group, athletes, choirs, um, and even the, the political groups and then the Greek clubs and just kind of everyone come together. Let's just pray and let's just take, uh, we prayed for like seven hours on that SMC long, like I, on a Sunday where you would think no students would come. We had like 600 students come to pray with one another on the lawn, uh, like that, that needed that, that, that experience uh, of Christ and so many people uh, that experienced God in that moment. And one thing that, that I, I saw, and maybe uh, I'm speaking not necessarily to a strategy in the sense of what are the X, Y, and Zs, but something that um, to always be aware of is that God is always churning in the heart of a student for their, their year, mm-hmm. or their generation, and that uh, you will do what, what all the administration did for me. I mean, I had everything to my disposal. I was like, man, I'll, we would love to do this. And they're like, we got you a sound system. We've given you the SMC lawn. We're giving you like the space voice and power to go for it. Like Pastor Jimmy did, uh, Dr. Hayes did, um, uh, Dr. Khan did. He pulled me into his office, prayed with me, empowered me. Like it was just an amazing thing. And so uh, as long as there are not uh, hurdles or obstacles to students to step out into what they're feeling uh, needs to be a move of God on the campus. As long as you always have those avenues, that is your strategy. That's you good. Have avenues open for, uh, we're a spirit-empowered campus, that's just what it is, for spirit-empowered young people to step up. As long as there are avenues for that and your, your ear is open to hear what a, a student that is just gung-ho for, for a move of God, listen to them. Uh, I mean, Pastor Jimmy even um, really mentored us in that season. He mentored myself, um, uh, my friend Brad LaChapelle, my friend Josh, uh, my friend Taylor, like all four of us that were moving. He mentored us. He gave us history, background of like movements that happened and and helped us along the way. But he was never closed off to wanting to see a move uh, in the school. And so I believe that can happen year to year, semester to semester. But as long as the strategy is, hey, uh, we'll move forward in, in making sure that we're catering to those that need a genuine experience, but there will always be an avenue open for a student that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and has a vision for their peers uh, to be empowered to, to live out that calling. Uh, and you'll see great things. And we've seen them. And I mean, yeah. you can see what's happening now, even with what Noah's doing with the gathering that actually was birthed out of the well. Right. The Upsilon. And, uh, and, and that on the backside of one body and one body on the backside of the tent. There, these are all things in convergence and all of these different movements that are peer-led movements that, that just continue to manifest themselves. And so, uh, and so just being open to that. And um, I believe that that's one aspect of a strategy you can continue to implement. That's incredible. That's good. That's, uh, yeah, like... I hate to ask the next question because it's not as serious as that one. But um, we ask, we have one final question that we we ask every guest on our podcast. Obviously, we've talked about Lee University and the fact that the good folks here open the studio to us, record this. Um, what is the greatest lesson you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom? Um, my great, the greatest lesson that I've learned uh, that I learned was that. Uh, the classroom, um, the classroom doesn't necessarily change 
who you are as a person and you take who you are with you after your college experience. And so all of the relationships and habits and whether or not you're choosing to be disciplined now and your relationship with Jesus now, investing it into a church, investing it into a healthy community, all of that matters because none of the, the head knowledge can, um, can really um, save you from who you are at the depth of who you are. And so every, all of the communities that I was plugged into, all of the mentorship that I received from uh, the various teachers, professors, and pastors during my time there, uh, truthfully, they, it molded me into the vessel. That information, yeah, and revelation could pour out of, but without that molding outside of the classroom uh, and admitting to myself that, uh, especially in that last year, I have one more year to get my disciplines and my act together and really get on point with uh, my spirituality and not just the educational point that I'm, I'm spiritual when I leave here, uh, that, that was huge. And so I would tell anybody, um, the classroom is great, learning is great, but do not let that take precedent over your relationship with Jesus because if you have a waning relationship with Jesus, it will not get fixed when you plug into a church after college. If you don't have that habit set now and you're not investing yourself into Christ, when you get out, it is even harder. Even if you're in a, a pastoral role when you get out, because a pastoral role is a very lonely role. It's a hard role to keep yourself encouraged. It's a hard role you're being done for from all angles. So if you're not grounded on the foundation that is Christ now, it is going to be a hard sell to leave, especially with all that head knowledge into a space where you don't have the support systems that you that are at your disposal now at Lee, because it is an amazing bubble, but it is a bubble. Real world outside, uh, it, it is a hard place. And so ground yourself in a relationship with Jesus Christ outside of the classroom and watch him mold you into the vessel that you need to be outside. Well, we okay. said chapel, bro. We just said, <laughs> we said chapel right there. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's good right there. That's right. Listen, uh, Ellie, where can people stay connected with you at on social media and other places? Yeah, uh, so my social media handle on Instagram is what is Ellie doing? Uh, Ellie spelled like Eli's uh, because that's the truth. If you want to see what I'm doing, you'll jump on my Instagram and see what I'm doing. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's what is Ellie saying? If you want to know what I'm saying, there I am on Twitter. You can find me at what is Ellie saying? Uh, our church is called Abundant Life. And uh, on social media, we are Alcogza. That's Abundant Life Church of God, San Antonio. So A-L-C-O-G-S-A, uh, and you can find what we're doing on there, what we're trying to do for the city of San Antonio and, uh, and what we're trying to do in pushing Jesus to the rest of the world. Awesome. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. So anybody out there in San Antonio, go yeah. see Ellie. He's the English pastor of that church, correct, of Abundant Life. So mm -hmm. if you're in the San Antonio area, please go see our boy Ellie. He's doing great things. You'll have a great encounter. And we are just so appreciative of your time and the encouragement you brought us and our listeners. Um, listen, I'm, I'm excited. Like, I want to go take on the yeah. world now. So, uh, again, thanks for coming on the show. And as we always say, there's a seat for you at the table. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Collectivist Code Podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, and share this on social media so this content can reach other great leaders?